on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well as the temperature has risen a little bit here in the Auburn Opelika area on this Wednesday, January 25th, 2023. Jacob, go with Carter Bird with you for the next two hours right here on the Auburn Opelika, sports leader, ESPN 106.7. It is Auburn basketball game day as Auburn is hosting 5-1 Texas A&M. We'll get into all of that coming up here on today's show. Uh, It's a very busy show today uh, on this Wednesday afternoon. Like I said, we'll talk Auburn, Texas A&M. We'll talk some SEC and college basketball results and what's coming up tonight in the college basketball slate. We'll also talk to uh, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 coming up at 2.30. We'll get his thoughts on Georgia basketball. We'll also get his thoughts on Stetson Bennett, where he is being projected as a third-round draft pick. We'll talk about that and see what Jordan Hill says about that coming up up at 2.30 and then we didn't get a chance to talk to him yesterday we were able to get it moved to today Trey Wallace who covers the SEC for OutKick we'll talk to him coming up at hour number two at 3.30 get his thoughts on everything going on around the SEC so looking forward to that should be a great show today Carter happy Wednesday brother yeah it is a good Wednesday Uh, the weather seems to be clearing up weather's getting better outside uh, and, you know, I'm excited for some uh, big basketball tonight. Yeah, both, both your teams playing. Teams yeah, yeah. You're, and you were telling me right before we came on, Northwestern playing their second game in less than two days. Yeah, I, they, they played on Monday, uh, a makeup game after their eight-day COVID pause, which I think they're the only team in the country that's had a COVID pause. Uh, they got a big win over Wisconsin in a game that they probably shouldn't have won, considering all the extra factors. And... Uh, now they're on the road at a not great Nebraska team, but a Nebraska team that's beaten some solid teams. I mean, they beat Creighton on the road earlier this year. They've beaten some solid teams. They're a top 100 uh, Kim Palm and net rankings team, and who knows where Northwestern's at depth and conditioning and injury-wise. Yeah, well, both of your teams playing tonight. Some interesting matchups coming up in college basketball. We'll talk about those kind of as the show goes on. But hey, outside of our guest, phone lines are open today. We'd love to hear from you. Anything on your mind? How are you feeling about Auburn basketball tonight at home against a a uh, very underappreciated maybe Texas A&M team, a very surprising Texas A&M team. How do you feel about the matchup tonight? Auburn favored by four, just by four at home tonight against Texas A&M. We'd love to hear from you. Three, three, like that four. Line's, that line's moved in Texas yeah. A&M's favor, yeah, hasn't it? It has, yeah. People are hitting A&M because I think it was, what, like five, five and a half maybe, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm, yeah it was. I'm, I'm interested to see this game. I think you – I mean, I think we, we just got to call it straight out. I mean – the student section, the jungle, 
has to show up and show out tonight. Neville Arena needs to be game for needs to be Neville Arena tonight. It has to be. It has not been this season. This is a game where Auburn needs to win and the crowd needs to show up. But hey, how are you feeling about tonight's game? We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. How do you feel about Auburn coming into this game before they head on the road against West Virginia? How do you feel about Texas A&M? Are they legit or are they not? And we're going to get into that a little bit here as we go along. But again, Auburn favored by four tonight over Texas A&M. That feels a little low for me. I'm just going to be honest. It felt low at five, five and a half. It feels really low at four. But the problem is the guys out in Vegas know what they're doing. There's some pretty nice buildings out there. They may (laughs) know something that we don't. And the fact that Auburn, the line keeps dropping for them at home against an A&M team that we both agree are not mm-hmm. super impressive kind of worries me a little bit. Yeah, I think it's there's definitely some things to worry about with this game just because we know this A&M team is a really good rebounding team. Auburn's going to have to be ready for the challenge because this, this Texas A&M team is not going to shy away from this matchup at all. Uh, a team that... When you look at the way that they play, they're, the numbers don't jump off the page. They're not the most efficient offense. They're, they're a pretty good offense. They're not the most efficient defense, but they're a pretty good defense. They're just kind of a well-rounded bunch. Um, they are not an elite three-point shooting team, and we know Auburn has, what, the mm. second-best three-point defense in America, so... That's going to be something I'm going to have my eye on. We know Auburn, they are a slightly better three-point shooting team than Auburn is for for the season, though. Yeah, but I mean, again, but you look at Auburn, who is one of the best defensive three-point teams in the country. Like They guard the three-point line better than just about anybody. I don't know if it's still second in the country. I think that was where they were about a week ago, but I don't think it's really gone, shouldn't have gone down too much from there. So they defend the three-point line extremely well. 25.1% of threes to be made on the year, which is second in the country. Yeah, which is really good. They're only allowing 48% of two-point shots to be made. Really? uh, Or or, uh, 45% of two-point shots to be made this year, which is 28th in the country. Huh. I would like to see, I don't know if you have that pulled up or not, but the percentage in the paint for teams, for opposing teams, I don't even know if they, I'm sure somebody keeps somebody up with that stat. Somebody definitely tracks that. It may take me some some time right. to find that. I will say something that's very interesting about this game. These are two of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country going against each other in this matchup. I knew Auburn and was. I didn't know a and was. At times, Auburn has struggled on the defensive glass. Uh, and so has A&M when you really look at it. I mean, Auburn is 15th in the country uh, in offensive rebounding percentage. A&M, 11th. Hmm. Interesting. So crashing the boards is going to be something to keep an eye on the rebounding numbers or something to keep an eye on tonight as what could possibly be a deciding factor because how many times have we seen Auburn teams this year, this Auburn team this year, when playing opponents, they've given oppor- they've given other teams three, four, five different chances on the same possession to get a shot up. Now, luckily, in the past couple of games, they have not been playing super high-level teams across the Southeastern Conference, and they've been able to get away with it. But you know what? Against a team like Texas A&M, who, like Carter just said, is the 12th best team at offensive rebounding in the entire country, 
they are going to take advantage of that and get those second chance buckets. So Auburn has to find a way on the defensive glass, offensive glass as well, to give themselves opportunities. But on the defensive glass, maybe Bruce and this team have to change their mentality a little bit because, sure, A&M's a good team. They're fast, but you're not really threatened by Texas A&M getting out and running a ton like you would be against Alabama. Auburn needs to send people to the glass tonight. Besides Jani Brewer, 100%. you need to send guys to the defensive glass and get those rebounds because if you don't, it could be a really long night inside Neville Arena. Yeah, I think it, it's it's a game that I don't know if Chris Moore is going to play, but if Chris Moore does play, I think it could be an enormous game for him, one where, where I think he will have a chance to um, make his impact immediately, and I'm looking forward to that. I really, really, really would like to get him back uh, and get him going in the right direction, helping this team with the way that we know that he can and will so this team can get primed for that back half of conference play run. According to ESPN's matchup predictor, Auburn has a 74% chance to win tonight. Texas A&M with 26%. I kind of like that. I mean, Auburn, you know, about 75% chance to win this thing tonight, which I think makes sense. I think Auburn is the better team tonight. I think they're more athletic. I think they're more skilled. I think they definitely have the better coach, but We've seen Auburn struggle against A&M last year. Look at the SEC tournament. That was the hottest team in the tournament. They came in and they whooped Auburn. I mean, they did. They whooped Auburn and they moved on and they obviously made a little bit of a run. But this is a team in Texas A&M who they're 5-1 and one in conference play. And say what you want about their schedule. Sure, has it been the hardest? No, but neither is Auburn's. And A&M is 5-1 and one in conference play. Their only loss came this past Saturday on the road at Kentucky, where they competed. It was a nine-point loss inside Rupp Arena, but A&M was in this game the entire time. Their other wins inside the conference, Florida, South Carolina, Missouri, and LSU. So nothing too crazy, but A&M is still 5-1 and one in conference play. Yeah, I think that this, this A&M team has figured out a way to win games, and, and they've as a result, they find themselves kind of in that top four of the conference they've kind of been able to hang in there it's interesting as they've been able to win these games you have not seen them drastically spike in the net rankings or drastically spike in Kimpom uh and maybe that's a little bit of the product of the fact that they've kind of picked at some teams that maybe you don't that don't blow you away uh they got a couple wins against Florida one of which should have been a lot more convincing than it was Mm -hmm. uh they beat an LSU team that is now floundering which, by the way, you said that they would cover 12 points, and they got housed by 20, I want to say? Uh, I want to say that they've lost their last four by 18-plus yeah. each. I was right about Kentucky, though. You are. You you were. You were. I Vanderbilt hung in there they the did. first half, yes, and they then did. they got they overpowered did. in the second half. Yes. But, uh, I mean, they, they've beaten South Carolina. They've beaten a Missouri team that I'm, I'm not sold is that good. I'm still not sold on that Missouri team. Uh, and then, of course, they, they lost to the K- Kentucky team that seems to be finding itself in their last matchup. Gosh, I, I was trying to think this morning because I was looking at the results from last night and I was looking, I was like, there was one more game I picked on the show yesterday and I could not remember what it was. I forgot I said LSU was going to cover against Arkansas. They lost 60-40. to 40. LSU is really bad. Oh, that's so ugly. LSU is awful. That's so ugly. 40 LSU. points. 
Oh, they were down 38-14 at the half. That's so bad. That's so bad. They're yeah. one and seven in conference play, Carter. One and seven. LSU has fallen apart. I Holy think, smokes! I think once conference play started and they started losing games, that team feels like it has somewhat packed it out. I mean, if you look at conference play for them, they beat, they upset Arkansas, they hang with Kentucky and lose by three on the road. And then things just nosedive after that. They lose by 13 at A&M. They lose by uh, 11 at home to Florida, 40 to Alabama, 18 to Auburn, uh, 21 to Tennessee, and then 20 to Arkansas on the road last night. Mm. Yeah. The Auburn and, and Tennessee games were both at home for them, too. Yeah. I mean, look, you look at this LSU squad. Did anybody expect them to be good? No. They're going I mean, through was, a lot. Like they're going through a lot right now down in Baton Rouge when it comes I didn't to the basketball expect them program. To be eight games in the conference play in the conversation for worst team in the league with with yeah. Ole Miss, or second worst team in the league with Ole Miss. Yeah. I mean Ole Miss is awful too. Yeah. I mean, between Ole Miss, South Carolina, and LSU, I mean, you're looking at a, a very interesting bottom five or, or bottom three, I should say, of the SEC. And you can make a legitimate argument for any of those teams being a bottom five. February twenty fifth. Uh, you have LSU on the road at Ole Miss. That'll probably be to decide who's the who's the second worst team in the SEC. And then February 18th, LSU at home against South Carolina, a South Carolina team that we have not seen them play yet. Uh, who plays and, better on the road? I guess. Yeah. So who knows? <laughs> it, well, that, that game could be anything at this. point. Yeah, it very well could. But uh, again, Auburn playing Texas A&M tonight, favored by four at home against the Aggies and. Uh, again, I think this is just a game where I've said this a lot this year, but if Auburn just goes in and plays their basketball, I think they're going to win. Uh, if they do their thing and just play the way that they play, A&M can beat them if they play really well and Auburn doesn't play good. I just don't see a, a scenario where A&M comes into Neville Arena beats Auburn who's who's really starting to feel themselves a little bit after playing some lower teams out of the conference I just don't see where A&M comes off a loss to Kentucky on the road you go from Lexington to Auburn and try to pick up a win in the midweek I just don't see it eight o'clock tip it's a late night game ESPN2 the crowd like we mentioned earlier the crowd at Neville Arena needs to be electric tonight I'll be there and I think the other 9,000 people right now. Oh yeah. Okay, good. That's good. As the other 9,000 people need to be there, be loud, be proud because this team is good. Auburn is a good basketball team. They are a top 15 team in the country. This is a big game inside the SEC, one that would really be a resume builder for Auburn, would be a momentum builder for Auburn before they go on the road and take on West Virginia, who is a sneaky good team this Saturday in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Fans, students, everybody needs to show up to Neville Arena tonight. Yeah, this is a huge, huge, huge game for Auburn, and I, I'm i not going to lie. I'm just, I've got a weird gut feeling that makes me nervous, and maybe it's because I was in the building when A&M beat Auburn, um, what was it, the Isaac Okoro year yeah. in the last home game, and like Auburn felt like they were rolling, and uh, it was a game that Auburn should have won, and you didn't expect anything out of that A&M team, and you look up at the end of the game, and they figured out a way to win. Yeah, and I think that's sort of what could happen tonight if Auburn's not careful. This is an I'm A&M team. If you let them get hot and you let them start making some shots and get some consistency, 
they feel like they're a good team. And they are solid. I don't think they're all that great, but they believe they're a good team. And you know what? That's all it takes for somebody to make a run in this conference. This team did it last year in the SEC tournament. They very well could do it tonight as they went 5-0 and in SEC play. Tough loss on Saturday in Rupp. They have a chance to bounce back and get a very big win on their season. A&M and Buzz Williams will have this team ready to play tonight. I can promise you that. Auburn better be ready. They better be 100%. ready. 100%. No doubt about it. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Who needs to step up tonight for Auburn against Texas A&M? What has to happen for the Tigers to win? We'll talk about it on the other side. This is the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. I sort of previewed it before we went to break. Carter, we'd love to hear from our listeners, 334-321-1390. Who has to step up and have a big game tonight for Auburn to win against Texas A&M and why? I think you need a really big, or I I think you need a big performance out of Jalen Williams. I think you need a big performance out of Jani Broom, but I think you need a big rebounding performance out of Alan Flanagan, somebody who has rebounded the basketball extremely well this season, especially here recently. If he can be efficient on offense and rebound the ball well in this game, he's averaging uh, about 5.1 rebounds per game this year. I think that gets better if you look at um, his recent games. I think he's in SEC play. I think he's rebounding it a little bit better as well. Uh, he has 54 total rebounds in 10 SEC games, so 5.4 rebounds per game. He's had a couple big rebounding performances here here recently against a team that rebounds the basketball extremely well. His last five games, eight rebounds, five rebounds, seven, seven, and ten. So if he can do that and still be efficient on offense and not turn the basketball over, I think Auburn can win this game. Yeah, I think... For, for somebody that has to have a good game tonight, I think it has to be Janai Broom again. I think that Janai has got to find a way. He, he's going to be critical tonight on both ends of the floor. Yes, scoring offensively and sure, getting stops on defense. I mean, he's good defensively. I wouldn't put him in the, the, the Walker-Kessler category of defensive, but rebounding is going to be so big tonight for Auburn and obviously Janai Broom is uh, he's the leading rebounder on this team and he has to be that walking double double tonight he can be that he is that when he wants to be I think he needs to be that tonight and there's going to be a couple of guys that size up Janai Broom tonight for A&M I mean there are but he has to find a way to just say okay he's a big guy but I'm better than him because Janai Broom is better than them and I think he has to be he has to be what we know he can be. I think a double-double needs to happen tonight. I would love to see 15-15, and 20-15 and 15 from him tonight. I think that's possible. And I'll be honest, I think that's necessary for Auburn to win. I don't think a 4.3 rebound performance for Janai Broom will bode well for Auburn in this game. Yeah, I think um, you saw what he did in the last game when they got him a lot of shot volume. And to me... He's probably feeling physically better coming off the toe sprain. They know that he kind of went through it a couple games in a row where the stats weren't exactly there 
And I think they went to him and they said, hey, this is where we're going to get you right. And I think that that is something that um, I think is huge coming into this game. Uh, when when he's playing well, when he's that second best player on the court for Auburn, we've seen them play at a really, really high level. And I'm expecting that in this game. Luckily for Auburn, you are at home, right? You're playing in Neville Arena, uh, where you are obviously walking in with the longest winning streak at home in the entire country, um, thanks to Gonzaga losing to uh, the California Institute of Technology for Boys High School. And Auburn now has the longest home winning streak in the country. And they're taking that into this game, but I promise you that Texas A&M knows that. I promise that they are looking to play spoiler, as will every single team that walks into that arena for the rest of the year. And if Auburn's lucky enough to carry it into next year, that'll be the same way. Mm -hmm. But luckily being at home, not that I want Auburn to turn the ball over, but you are able to be a a little more lax, I guess. It is SEC play, don't get me wrong. But you can afford a couple of more turnovers at home rather than being on the road now, I would love Auburn to limit their turnovers as much as possible. If you can leave it under 10, Auburn's got a great chance to win. But this A&M team, they will get out and run if you turn the ball over, and they can score when they want to. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that this this Auburn team needs to do what they've been doing in some, some key spots. We've seen Auburn protect the basketball. Uh, you saw Wendell Green protect it here in their last timeout, I believe. Um, we've seen against some good teams, Auburn keep it below 10 turnovers. Um, against Arkansas, yeah. a, a very long Arkansas team. Auburn kept it to, I think, eight turnovers in that game. Which is huge. If Auburn can stay below 10 turnovers and rebound the basketball, Auburn's going to win this game tonight. That's just my my opinion on it. Just sort of a, for reference of what this Texas A&M team is, uh, back in the non-con, in the later half of non-con schedule, Texas A&M went on the road to Memphis. Of course, Auburn played Memphis neutral site in Atlanta, and they lost. A&M went on the road to Memphis and lost by four. Yes, they lost, but they were in it till the very end on the road. They had a shot, uh, a couple of shots to bring that thing even closer. They lost by four points on the road to a Memphis team that also beat Auburn. They lost one more after that to Wofford, and then they've been on a roll ever since. They won their last two non-conference games. They've started SEC play 5-0. and Of course, they lost to Kentucky over the weekend. This Texas A&M team is a solid basketball team. They're 13 and 6 overall, 5 and 1 in conference play. They have a chance to make some noise in February. They've got a chance to make some noise in March. And again, I can't stress enough how important it is for Auburn to be ready to play tonight, be focused and, and take care of business tonight. If you let A&M hang around, they're a sneaky good team. Yeah, 100%. And and this team has figured out a way to scrap out wins and that is something that should get Auburn's attention uh they've done it by scoring a bunch we've seen them score 82 and 94 against Missouri and South Carolina and then we've seen them figure out ways to scrape out wins uh maybe not as offensively explosive with a 54 point outing against Florida just figuring out a way to get the win Auburn needs to start fast Auburn needs to get up and I want them to continue to show that ability Win the opposing team. If AM makes a run at them and cuts mm-hmm. it to two possessions, one yeah. possession, I want to see Auburn show that ability to distance itself that it has the last couple times out when they've been on this road trip. Yeah, and um, 
and, and look, I think that's a great point. Uh, I think for Auburn, um, they've been able to do that. It's a great point that you bring that up, uh, talking about Auburn being able to stop opposing teams when they go on a run like that. But I think starting fast is, is really important too. How great would it be for Auburn tonight to start this game, get out to a lead, and hold it, and just kind of hold A&M out out of arm's reach a little bit, kind of like the kid that's trying to run after the brother and he just holds their head out to where they can't get to him. I think Auburn should try to do that tonight. And if they can, I think that would be really, really important. I think it'd be huge for Auburn to not have to um, – I think it would be really big for Auburn to to just be able to do that and not have to fight for 40 minutes. Yeah, I think that um, Auburn needs to get right or continue to play at a high level, continue to get wins, stack wins in conference play because we know despite the fact that Auburn has had this run that they've had here early in conference play, Kim Palmstone only projects them at 12-6 and six in conference play. So that means that he's... Kim Palm's got you going five and five from this point on, five mm. and five in conference play for Auburn. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, we we've, we've talked about how it, it just gets tougher and tougher, and February is going to be a brutal conference schedule. I mean, it, it just is. It's going to be a tough a, a tough conference schedule because of the teams you play and the trips that you make. Um, it, it's just going to be it's going to be tough, and Auburn has to take the wins where they can get them. So tonight is one of those. You look at Auburn's schedule, it's really tough. Looking at A&M's schedule coming up, they obviously are at Auburn tonight. They're home for Vanderbilt, at Arkansas, who is not what we thought, home for Georgia, home for Auburn, at LSU, home for Arkansas, Missouri. They are home against Tennessee, at State, at Ole Miss. They finish the season at home against Alabama. So A&M has a really good chance to be a high seed in the SEC tournament. They have a chance to be in March in the big dance. Yeah, absolutely. I think this A&M team is um, the way that they have bounced back from a really tough non-conference where they lost to the likes of a completely revamped Murray State team, Colorado team that's not that good, a Boise State team that is good, uh, Memphis and Wofford. It was rough in non-conference play, but now A&M reeled off, what, six straight, five straight conference wins uh, before they went on the road to Kentucky and took a loss there. But, you know, at times you felt like they had a chance in that game. Yeah. So this is a dangerous A&M team that Auburn cannot take lightly, and Auburn really needs a win as you look forward to the back half of conference play. Auburn hosting Texas A&M tonight, 8 o'clock on ESPN2, favored by four. Seems a little low for me, but we'll see how it goes. Coming up, we're going to talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about Georgia basketball. We'll also talk a little Georgia football coming up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Welcoming in Jordan Hill, our usual Wednesday guest who writes for Dogs 247. Jordan, happy Wednesday, man. How are you? Hey, happy Wednesday, guys. Pretty good. Uh, I don't know what the weather's like in Auburn, but it's been very rainy today in Athens. We've got a little bit of a window where it's not raining, but it's uh, been kind of a dreary January day just hanging out in Athens. 
Yeah, it's not too bad here. The sun is shining. It's gotten a little warmer, so I think everybody around town is happy about that. But, uh, man, I know it's a busy time for you with basketball season in full swing. Also, some things coming out uh, with football because in the South, it's always college football season. But we'll start with basketball where the Georgia Bulldogs are 13-6, and six, right? They're 13-6 and six on the – or never mind, that's the women's team. I apologize. That is the women's team. But you're looking at the guys' team, right, as Georgia has – really surprised a couple of people this year and myself included as a as a gritty team as a tough team for a lot of SEC uh, opponents right and for Georgia just in your mind Jordan what have you seen so far from Georgia and, and what do you expect to see over the next couple of games yeah I mean I think actually Jacob if I'm not mistaken their record is 13 mm-hmm. and 6 oh maybe I had the right one pretty- pulled up then Maybe, but uh, they uh, have done well. But really, um, they're kind of at a crossroads in SEC play. They started off really good. They did lose on the road to Florida, which I think was an understandable loss. And the last week, lost both games they played. Uh, went to Kentucky, played great in the first half, had an opportunity to win that one or at least keep it close. And then Oscar Sheboy just went off in the second half. And they just didn't have an answer. They give up 85 to Kentucky. Come back home on Saturday against Vanderbilt, and I had said this on our message board, uh, because a lot of people are excited, and rightfully so, but I said that they really couldn't afford to kind of sleepwalk against this Vanderbilt team, a Vanderbilt team that had beaten Arkansas earlier in the year. And Vanderbilt showed up ready to play. I mean, they shot 48.1% from the floor, um, had an outstanding start to the game from uh, three. I just couldn't seem to miss. And Georgia gets uh, left with an 85-82 loss at home that, I do think it's kind of caused a lot of people to sort of step back and, and try to reevaluate this team. And uh, I kind of pointed this out after that Vanderbilt loss. Still a lot to like. Um, you know, I think that you, you tell any Georgia fan uh, that they would be where they are right now after last year's debacle in Tom Crean's last season. I think they would take it, and rightfully so. Um, but, you know, there were people that were kind of starting to say, hey, could this be an NCAA tournament team? Um, is this definitely going to be an NIT team? Um, you're kind of re-sort of evaluating that, um, but understanding that they've got a lot of opportunities left to go to prove that um, they are capable of playing in the postseason once we get to that point. So against Kentucky last week, I watched that game pretty intently because I thought Georgia could give them sh- uh, some trouble. I really thought in that first half, Georgia just looked looked like the better team, but then in the second half, uh, Georgia kind of let Oscar Sheway run wild What did you see in that second half, the the drop-off from first half to second half, and how can this team be more consistent going forward? I think a big piece of it was that they did benefit in that first half from Sheboy not really being able to do a whole lot. And it seemed like the strategy was going to be, look, we're going to let Oscar Sheboy get his, but we're going to make plays outside of him. And uh, he had kind of a, not, not a terrible first half, but definitely not what Kentucky would have wanted. Second half, he just came alive. I think he might have had 23 in the last 20 minutes of the game alone. Wound up with maybe 23 rebounds in that game. I think he had 37 Uh, points and 24 rebounds in the game. Right, right. And uh, it was a situation, too, where Georgia could kind of take that, you know, a little bit and try to keep going. But it came to a point where it was really just Cario Aquendo and Terry Roberts with the offense. And, And they were leaning on two guys that just eventually ran out of gas, and they just could not get any kind of consistent scoring from other guys. They just they had an opportunity. I do think that's one that kind of sticks with this team. 
Um, maybe even the Vanderbilt game more so because that was at home and they had been undefeated in Athens prior to Saturday's loss. Um, but I think that this is a team that wants to prove that it is capable of hanging with these big teams, but they're going to get a big test tonight playing in Knoxville against number four Tennessee, an opportunity to prove that you know that talk about wanting to be a, a real contender, well, they're going to have to back it up. Jordan, you bring up that matchup on the road at number four Tennessee and this Georgia team against Kentucky on the road, their last game on the road in conference play, we talked about it where they had a chance to win that game and just kind of lost it there at the second half. What does Georgia have to do going into Tennessee tonight where you're playing a top four team in the country and Thompson Bowling, one of the toughest places to play in the SEC? Well, I think that they've got a lockdown defensively, which Tennessee is a really good defensive team, but Georgia's coming off. Uh, two back-to-back games where they gave up 85 points. and I mean, they're not going to win if they let Tennessee get anywhere close to that number. I got a lockdown on three-point defense. It was something that was really a calling card through those first few games up to the Vanderbilt game. And then Vanderbilt just you know sort of ran wild and took advantage of opportunities. Um, the talk throughout this week from um, some of the players, Braylon Bridges, Frank Anselm, they said that there's been renewed intensity at practice. And I, I think that, you know, they talk a lot about a loss and, and trying to learn from a loss. And we'll see if they're able to do that because, you know, this would be a humongous upset if Georgia was able to pull this off. They got to bring their A game and they can't have a situation where they're just leaning on one or two scorers because Tennessee's so good. Rick Barnes's teams are so good defensively. If you think that you can just get by with, Terry O or Terry Roberts putting up 20, 25 points and, and basically running the show by themselves, um, you're going to walk out of Knoxville with a loss. Jordan, we are just a, gu- a couple weeks out from baseball season really starting to gear up. Uh, and Georgia baseball is a team that I've always said, with the talent in that state and the, the fact that the biggest tournaments in high school baseball play in Georgia – I always expect a lot out of, and maybe they don't live up to it as much. What should we expect from Georgia baseball so far, or in this upcoming season? Well, I think it's going to be a really interesting season. I think Scott Strickland, this is his seventh or eighth season, and he's been in Athens for a while. A guy that coached at Kent State, got Kent State to the College World Series at one point, and there there have been moments, there have been flashes, but they haven't really made that kind of run. Um, you know, I think they dealt with injuries a good bit last season. And just look at the SEC this year. I'm starting to see, you know, those top 25 rankings. It is loaded with SEC teams. Obviously, Ole Miss is coming off of winning the national championship last season and then Mississippi State the year before that. Uh, I'm really intrigued just to see what this team looks like and sort of what the expectations are with this roster, uh, what they're bringing to the table, because it's a situation once you get into the SEC play, it's just like any other sport, honestly, at this point, that it's just so um, competitive and that the teams you're playing weekend after weekend, once you get into conference play, they're teams that could be in Omaha by the time we get to that point in the year. So it's going to be a really interesting season to follow and just see how they are able to play and, and just where they sort of stack up with a loaded SEC. Speaking with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, who joins us every Wednesday here on On the Line, there's been some predictions and some draft boards for the NFL draft coming up in April where Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett at the age of 55 is projected as maybe a third-round pick or so. Do you believe, and I believe we've had these conversations before, Jordan, but is Stetson Bennett an NFL-level quarterback in your mind? 
Well, NFL level starting quarterback, probably not. But NFL backup, I think absolutely. And I think he's a guy that, you know, we see a ton of guys that are very productive at the college level who make a career out of being a backup that teams can rely on, you know, play seven, eight years. And that's sort of my expectation. You know, I think that, you know, there are sort of those height requirements or those numbers you look for in a quarterback. And they're there for a reason. Although at the same time, you know that there are always going to be exceptions to the rule. Um, so my expectation is, you know, we're not going to see, I said this the other day on our, one of our podcasts, you know, I don't see Stetson holding up a Lombardi, although we've counted him out a number of times in college. But I do think he's a guy that can hang around, that can be a veteran NFL backup, you know, get some spot starts when needed. Um, I think he's a guy that can play for a little bit longer. Um, and he's he's proven a ton of people wrong in the past, and, and I don't see that changing once he starts playing on Sundays. How much do you think the success of Brock Purdy this year has it helped improve Stetson Bennett's draft stock? Because they are like similar builds, kind of have some mobility in the pocket, accurate guys. How do you see that uh, affecting his draft stock? I know we are, uh, I guess, a little bit over a month removed from Christmas, but if uh, if uh, Stetson wants to send a late Christmas card to Brock Purdy <laughs> and Brock Purdy's family, probably wouldn't be a bad idea because, I mean, I think you're right, Carter. I think that that's been the comparison a lot of people have made, and I think it's a natural one. And two, the thing that always gets me about, you know, trying to figure out where you're going to rank this guy, where he could be drafted, you know, it only takes one team. It only takes one scouting department or a head coach and a GM to fall in love with Stetson and say, look, we feel comfortable taking him in the third round. Now, would all the teams take him there? Probably not. Uh, But I do think that there's going to be somebody who sees the opportunity of a guy uh, like Stetson Bennett, who is Mm -hmm. one who has uh, had the work ethic that he's had and and the background and the track record, and they're going to say, look, we feel comfortable taking the chance with this guy and seeing what he's able to do. Also, I mean, not not everything around – uh, Georgia football has been great recently. We see the uh, Ra Ra Thomas incident where he was arrested uh, earlier this week. How does that affect that Georgia um, wide receivers room, and what does that mean for the future of Ra Ra Thomas at Georgia? Yeah, I mean, it's still a big question, and I think that Georgia is really uh, being conscientious and wading through the investigation by the police uh, and seeing what exactly happens out of it. There's been really no word other than EJ putting out a statement essentially saying they were aware of what happened and kind of going along with the investigation that's to follow. But it is a big question mark. I mean, when you look at it from the football perspective, he was expected to be the X receiver and play a big role. I mean, he was a guy that was Mississippi State's leading receiver last year. And you think about what is asked of a Mike Leach air raid leading receiver. He's going to touch the ball a whole lot. Um, and, you know, losing A.D. Mitchell to Texas, that left a big hole at that position. Um, and Rara was expected to fill that hole. So we'll see what happens. I think it's too soon to tell one way or the other whether he will play at Georgia or not or if there will be a suspension, anything to that nature. Um, but I will say uh, one benefit for Georgia is that they brought back Marcus Rosemi, Jack Saint, uh, a guy that's a veteran. A guy that I think toyed with maybe going pro and, and riding off with two straight championships. He's a guy who stepped in and started when A.D. Mitchell was hurt last year. You don't have him. I think you're in real, real trouble having to rely on maybe a true freshman like Tyler Williams to try to pick up the slack. Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 joining us here on the show. Georgia basketball on the road at number four Tennessee tonight. They have South Carolina at home on Saturday before next week. They come to Neville Arena and take on Auburn. 
what does Georgia do tonight and what do they do on Saturday against South Carolina? Do they win those games, split them, go 0-2? What's your, th- what's your thoughts? I-, I think they split them. I don't see them pulling the upset against Tennessee. Tennessee's just so good right now. And, and the fact that Tennessee's defense, I think they're going to lock down against a Georgia team that ten- uh, Georgia's strength is de- defensively. And the question that continues to persist is if the offense can be consistent enough. Don't see that uh, tonight against Tennessee, but I think on Saturday they'll be able to beat a South Carolina team that has been all over the place this year, <laughs> having beaten Kentucky but kind of struggled outside of that. I think they split those games and then get ready to go to Auburn knowing that the Tigers are going to be really hungry after Georgia upset them early in SEC play. Yeah, Jordan, I mean, that South Carolina team, they're a lot more dangerous on the road than they are at home. They took Vanderbilt to overtime in a loss and upset Kentucky on the road. And then, of course, at home they've lost by – 43 41 12 and 15 so uh georgia may not want to sleep on that south carolina team this weekend absolutely not and then you think (laughs) if 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 things play out you know you you just have to be ready because if things play out like they do tonight georgia would be going into that game with three straight losses so they they really Mm -hmm. at this point they they can't afford to just you know ride in what they think is going to happen because it uh, might not go out that way are we talking to Jordan Hill from Knoxville today? Or, or you said you were at Athens. Are you making the trip tonight? No, I'll be watching this one uh, from the house. But uh, all, all things uh, you know considered, and, and hopefully I will be at Auburn next week. Honestly, it just depends on when we're going to talk to Kirby Smart from signing day. So got that. But uh, the plan is to be in Auburn and be in Neville Arena next weekend covering that one. Wow, possible. That's a game's on Wednesday. Is that a possible live appearance for Jordan Hill in the studio? Hey, you never say never. <laughs> Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. He joins us every Wednesday here on the show, man. We appreciate you and your time as always. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and what's coming out for you on Dogs 247 here coming up. For sure. Dogs247.com on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill at uh, Dogs247 as well. Uh, a lot of content getting ready for signing day next week. Uh, shouldn't be too busy on the Georgia side, but plenty to watch out for as well. Recap, uh, recapping that 2022 season, keep an eye out on uh, the roster movement and things we're expecting to see in the spring, and then all in on Georgia basketball, seeing how they continue this first season under Mike White. Jordan Hill, again, of Dogs 247. We appreciate you, man. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week, all right? All right, sounds great, guys. That is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. Again, he joins us every Wednesday here on On the Line talking all things Georgia athletics. We dipped into basketball, baseball, and football. Lots going on over in Athens. We'll take our final break here in hour number one. Come back and wrap it up on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Jordan Hill, again, of Dogs 247. Joins us every Wednesday at 2.30. Talking all things Georgia athletics as uh, the Bulldogs playing at Tennessee tonight. That's a rough one. That That's a rough one. Georgia's good. Don't get me wrong, but... Tennessee is the number four team in the country. I don't know. It's a good question. I'm about to pull it up. Tennessee is favored by 16 and a half. That's a lot. That is a lot. I I almost, I almost like Georgia plus the points here. Maybe. Maybe. Last time you said that about a big spread, it didn't work out. No, it didn't. (laughs) It did not. According to ESPN's matchup predictor, it's 97% chance for Tennessee to win tonight. So that feels like 
That seems like a lot. That's like disrespectful. <laughs> That's basically <laughs> saying Kendo Georgia has o- no chance. Cario Kendo and and Terry Roberts are still two really good guards. Yes, they are very good they, guards. They can. I'm with you. You know what? I'm. I'm I kind of yeah. like Georgia plus the points yeah. because because the guard play is good. It's good enough that I think keep Georgia in the game. They're saying that Georgia. Lose. Yeah, they're gonna lose. They're saying Georgia's not gonna score because they're 16 and a half point underdogs, and the total's only 135 and a half. That's not a lot of points. So they're saying Georgia's. They're saying Georgia's gonna score like the 50s. Yeah. Uh. Well, I think it's. I mean, you're looking at like 70. What 75. 55 or I guess 75 59 something like that it's basically going to be like 76 and a half to 59 and a half somewhere around there hmm hmm I don't know could be interesting I like Georgia plus the points why not make it interesting I mean is Georgia going to win no but could be interesting and you look at some of the other games around college basketball as we're sort of wrapping up the first hour here you look at some of the other games going on in college basketball tonight some really interesting games right some really interesting matchups as well obviously Auburn hosting Texas A&M at eight o'clock but you've got a top 15 matchup in the Big East number 13 Xavier on the road at number 19 UConn who is spiraling at a rapid rate towards the ground right now what uh, like is that the most confusing I don't know what's happening in the top 25 this And they're year. favored by six and a half tonight. No shot. Give me Xavier plus six and a half. I just, I think, I think UConn's a good team. They Keep are a good mind. team. They were ranked number one this year. They were ranked number one. Did they, I don't think they made it to one. I think they or were they, two. They, they, they were number two yeah. when everybody thought they should have been ranked number right. one over Purdue. Purdue's been ranked number one twice this year. The first time everybody said, well, UConn's better. The second time everybody's saying Alabama's better. Alabama so. is better. UConn was not. Alabama is. I am curious if if Purdue and Alabama were to play, what answer would Alabama have for for big Edie. fella down low, yeah. Zach Eady? I mean, they have Benny Ako, but he can't he can't hang with him. He's not seven four. No, he can't roll with him. I think Alabama would just try to beat him with speed, speed transition. You would see the the Alabama of old with three point shots. Zach Eady is seven four, two hundred ninety pounds. That's ridiculous, dude. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. But looking at the Xavier team playing UConn tonight, Xavier in their last two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, thirteen games, they're twelve and one. Their only loss was at DePaul by one Which point. Which makes no sense because that DePaul team's awful. The last time these two that teams DePaul played team is awful. I watched Northwestern beat them by forty three. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. But Xavier beat UConn in the first round by 10 at home this game is at UConn I like Xavier to at least cover the six and a half point spread update on DePaul last night they lost to Georgetown and broke Georgetown's 29 straight losses in Big East play yeah I mean look it happens man it happens Xavier dropped that game it happens it's okay it doesn't happen like that it it does uh an interesting one in the big 12 as we're kind of running out of time West Virginia Texas Tech that's a good one in the big 12 Auburn fans maybe want to tune into that one before Auburn plays to see what West Virginia looks like before the Tigers take a trip up to Morgantown uh you've got what else is going on tonight Northwestern Nebraska three and a half point favorite in that game that'll be a really interesting I think it's gonna be a good one Tech team that has not gotten a win yet this season in Big Ten, play. in Big, in Big, in Big Twelve play. play, yeah, it's Big, crazy. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I, I know what you meant. Interesting was, hey, Mississippi State on the road at Alabama tonight. Any chance? Bama's favored by eleven and a half. That's kind of low. I think Alabama's going to cover that. Interesting. 
Hour number one in the books. Come back. We'll talk more Auburn basketball. We also have Trey Wallace of OutKick joining us. All coming up in hour number two. on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well as we have officially made it to the midweek of this uh, third week of January. Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two is underway right here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You'll find a commercial free there right after the show or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Lots of previewing of Auburn, Texas A&M tonight inside of Neville Arena for Auburn basketball. Four-point favorites over the Aggies. Talked a lot about that. We also talked with uh, Jordan hill of dogs 247 all things uh georgia athletics everything going on over in athens we touched on basketball baseball and football so lots going on in georgia we talked to him uh and uh yeah started talking about some of the games coming up in college basketball tonight but if you missed any of it go and catch up with the podcast espnau.com well, here in hour number two, we'll talk some more Auburn basketball, maybe a little Auburn football as well as there's some a couple of talking points we can hit on here for a couple of minutes. And then coming up at 3.30, we'll talk to Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick. Normally joins us on Tuesdays. We've got him coming on today. We'll get his thoughts on everything going on around the Southeastern Conference. But until then... Phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again, 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind in the sports world? Who's winning tonight? Auburn, Texas A&M. Who has to step up? What does Auburn need to do to win? Is Texas A&M coming into Neville Arena and beating Auburn tonight? We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. But Carter, we'll start with a couple of football talking points. It's a big weekend, yeah. right, coming up. And and uh, we'd like to, I still need to text out, uh, reach out and text him, but we'd love to get Christian in here at some point, whether it's late this week, maybe early next week, to tell us what all is happening going on with Auburn football and recruiting oh, yeah. stuff this weekend. But uh, no doubt, it's a big one. It's a huge one. When you look, it's, it's Auburn's first junior day uh, this weekend, and Auburn, I guess, decided on January 28th, and then, of course, Alabama waited around to see when Auburn's was and scheduled at the same time to try to see if they could steal some of the shine. If it was last staff, we saw basically the same thing happen last year. Um, And because you had a staff that nobody liked, uh, that didn't put in the effort, uh, that if you uh, read the Auburn live board, the on three board uh, for Auburn, Justin Hokinson had a really long, really Mm -hmm. good post about some of the flaws of Brian Harson. Um, which just continue to roll out. I mean, they, yeah. they just continue to come. It's not done. I mean, uh, Brian Harson. <laughs> the more we learn, the more we know he's just not the guy. 
Um, he's he was not a good coach, and he doesn't understand how high level college football operates. But Auburn's got Junior Day this weekend. Uh, if you look at the list, I think Keith Niebuhr's done a really good job on on three, keeping tally of who all is coming. There is something like, looks like 20, 25 four stars in the 24 and 25 class coming on campus, a bunch of three stars and a bunch of guys who have not yet been ranked. Um, I mean, it's really going to be a big weekend for this staff. Uh First big visit weekend for the 24 class where they can make a really big impact and start making some inroads. Um, I mean, you've got a Georgia commit, an LSU commit uh, on campus. You've got an Alabama commit who might be on campus. It's going to be a huge, huge weekend for Auburn. Uh, You only have one commit in the 24 class, and I think that um, if I had to guess, I'm going to make a prediction here. Uh Uh-oh. I think Auburn picks up a couple commitments this weekend. Mm, I've got a couple guys in mind that I think um, Auburn has a very good shot at landing this weekend, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what this staff does. I think that there's a decent shot that it's at least three, uh, but I would say at a minimum right now, my mind would say Auburn picks up two commits in the 24 class. Yeah, there's a couple of names in mind, and we'll see how that goes if some of these things end up happening. But if you remember when Hugh Freeze was hired back in early December, and we were all sort of wondering, Auburn fans were wondering, Auburn media was wondering, what was this going to look like, and what was Hugh Freeze going to do in a very, very, very short amount of time with the recruiting cycle, with the recruiting where it was with Auburn, which was basically non-existent. The narrative was that, was what is Hugh Freeze going to do in this very short window? And I think just about everybody can agree that Hugh Freeze and this staff hit an absolute grand slam out of the park. If we're in San Francisco, this thing's in the water, right? But Mm-hmm. Now, remember, and you remember when we were talking about that, that was the narrative of, okay, what are they going to do? They've got very short amount of time. Get in, win where you can, maybe flip one or two and fill some needs. And that's exactly what they did. But near the end of that, we always were talking about how we would always say, it'll be interesting to see what Hugh Freeze and this staff do when they have a full cycle, when they have a full rotation. When it's still like, they're still building the, those relationships. And, yeah. and 24 is not going to be the ceiling of what this staff can do. Correct. Like you look at 25 and 26, and you might see just how much damage, damage this staff can do in a cycle. Right. It technically is a full cycle, but and that's sort of where I was going, is technically this is a full cycle. But a lot of these 24 kids already know Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin. They already know those guys, know those relationships, know those programs. So, yes, 2024 is a technically a full cycle for Hugh Freeze. But just like you said, Carter, he's still building those relationships. He's still visiting high schools. He's still doing the groundwork and laying the groundwork to make a full cycle successful well, 25, 26, and then on. Well, and he's having to rebuild the inroads for Auburn in the state because, and that goes back to the damage that Brian Harson did in two years. You have basically these 24 kids, a bunch of them barely knew much about Auburn because of the lack of effort by Brian Harson. This staff's going to put forth plenty of effort. I think 25, you've got a chance to make a significant splash. 
Um, I mean, there's names out there in 25 that I think I think Hugh Freeze and this staff over time will make some significant moves with that could impress a lot of people. And we've talked about the talent in the state of Alabama specifically, where we just witnessed one of the best classes to ever come through the state. Maybe not as talented from top to bottom this coming year, but then looking at that 25-ish range, we've talked to Christian about that, Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, uh, the recruiting guru, as I call him. He's talked about how, yeah, coming up in a couple of years, Alabama may have, the state of Alabama, that is, may have another wave like we just saw where, it was the most talent we've ever seen come out of this state. And unfortunately, the Auburn football program just wasn't in a good spot at the time to take advantage of it. Yeah, and I think that um, it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better, and there's no reason to uh, for Auburn fans to panic with only one commit right now. I think this staff showed you in the transfer portal, and they showed you in the three weeks they had before early signing day the damage they can do in a short amount of time. Give them... 12 months and I think that they're going to do even better uh, and I'm excited to see what Hugh Freeze and this staff can do over time uh, in this next cycle yeah and, and for any of our listeners we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 how are you feeling about Hugh Freeze and this staff uh, on a recruiting aspect and how big of a weekend this is coming up if you still have your uh, your concerns about Hugh Freeze or the staff or what they're doing, how they're doing it, success, lack thereof, if you think so. We'd love to hear from you and why. 334-321-1390. Earlier in the show, we talked with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247, and we asked him about Stetson Bennett, who is being projected somewhere in the third round as a quarterback, which seems a little high. We've seen some mock drafts come out where we've seen an yeah, Auburn player or two on there. Mel Kuyper drop his uh, first round mock draft. Might be his 1.0 here um, for this 23 draft. And right off the bat, things you notice. Four of the top five picks, SEC players. They've got Jalen Carter going number one to the Bears. CJ Stroud going two to the Texans. So going ahead of Bryce Young. A little bit surprising there. Then you got Will Anderson, Bryce Young, and Will Levis rounding out the top five. So Bryce Young to my Colts. Don't know how I feel about that with the fact the offensive line was that bad this past year. Yeah, how do you – are you excited to get – would you be excited for Bryce if, Young? If the Colts can protect him, yes. But they've got to figure out a way to make that offensive line solid again. It was solid as recently as two years ago. Does size worry you about Bryce Young? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I think anybody that drafts Bryce Young, that's going to be a concern for sure. Uh, first tackle off the board, going to number seven, the Las Vegas Raiders, Pete Skoronsky from Northwestern. How about that guy? How about there? that? How about uh, that? They have, he has Anthony Richardson going nine to the Panthers. I just don't see it, man. I just don't see it being successful. There is nobody in the in the entire NFL draft world carrying Anthony Richardson's water more than Mel Kuyper. It's fascinating. I've seen places where he's not even a first-round pick, and Mel Kuyper has consistently despite him not being that great this past year, has kept him in the top 10. I mean, he's been as high as six for, for Mel Kuyper. I mean, it's fascinating to see how, how this whole thing is shaping out for him. You keep going down the list. Uh, bit of a break there for SEC players. Then at 16, Broderick Jones, the left tackle, who uh, almost came to Auburn, but he went to Georgia instead. Byron Young, a Tennessee D-end at 20. 
Um, some very talented player. Quentin Johnston, the receiver from TCU, 22 to the Ravens. I find that one fascinating. Uh, Mississippi State's got a guy at 23, Emmanuel Forbes, the corner. And as you get down the list, you get to first running back to the Dallas Cowboys, B. John Robinson. Interesting. It's not like they have two really good running backs on that team. I guess Zeke's getting paid a ton. That would imply that you're going to figure out a way to dump Zeke. Because he's old and you have to pay him a bunch of money. I think they should dump I saw, Dak. I, well, yeah, I agree with that. But <laughs> but I think you should dump both, to be honest with you. Zeke, uh, I think he, right after the loss, I saw some storyline that he's willing to take a pay cut in 23, which about implies time. that he knows that uh, yeah, about he's time. about to become expendable. 27, Derek Hall, defense and outside linebacker Auburn, going to the Bills. There's your Auburn player in the... Uh, first round. I think that that's a great spot for him, a team that needs more pass rushers. I don't know if they have um, Von Miller coming back next season, uh, but it, look, it's a I don't team know if they that do or not. it's a team that could use uh, some help on the pass rush because you saw when Von Miller went out, that defense went from really good to pretty average, mm-hmm. even to the back half of the NFL. Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from Utah, going to the Bengals. Is my oh, favorite gosh. pick in the first round. Oh man, that guy is a monster. Yeah, and if you plug him into that that Bengals offense, whew, yeah, that could be nasty. What would that mean for somebody of like CJ Uzama, who's been at the Bengals for a while now? Well, he's with the Jets now. He is with the Jets now. You're right. He now is they, with they, the they Jets. have they have uh, what's his name the South Carolina former South yeah. Carolina tight end that yeah. was with the Falcons for a while. I forgot he was with the Jets. Uh, Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama, thirtieth yeah. to the Eagles, and that kind of rounds out. The, the SEC and the notable names in the first round. What's fascinating to me is the Athletic a few days ago dropped their positional rankings for the NFL draft. Uh, and by the way, they have Bryce Young, then C.J. Stroud, then Levis. That's the order of their quarterbacks. They also have Richardson as the fourth best quarterback. Hinton Hooker all the way down at six, which I know he, he's coming off a torn ACL, but I think he's better than Richardson. I think he's better than he, got, he has potential to be better Stetson, than Levis too. They've got Stetson as the eleventh best quarterback, one behind Max Duggan on this list. Uh, hmm. And if you when you look at the running backs, they've got Tank Bigsby as the sixth best best back, one behind Zach Evans from Ole Miss, uh, three behind Devin A. Chain. Devin A. Chain, I worry about his size mm-hmm. at five nine one eighty five in the NFL. Uh, they got Jameer Gibbs number two. Which I mean, as an all-purpose player, I think that he'll he'll get a lot of attention uh, in the in the NFL draft. Uh, when you scroll down the list, you get to edge, and this is where I mentioned it to you during a break. The biggest difference, like one of the most like volatile players, depending on where the rankings are, is Derek Hall in this draft. Mel Kiper's got to go in twenty seventh overall to the Bills. The Athletic has him ranked as the 13th edge rusher in the class. What? Yeah. Holy smokes. How about that? That is super low. That is insanely low compared to what Mel Kuyper they, is They've saying. got Kobe Wooden as the eighth, uh, the eighth defensive tackle in the draft as well. So that, I, mean, that's, I mean, obviously they're separate outlets, but that doesn't even line up. Like, that doesn't even... That doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, how in the world yeah. is Derek Hall the 13th best at his position, but yet he's going in top 30 of the draft? Which I get NFL teams draft what they need and whatever, whatever. But Well, I, I, I do wonder if you get a situation like when D. Ford got drafted. D. Ford wasn't supposed to be your first-round draft pick, and then the Chiefs yeah. loved him and got him in the back end of the first round. 
Owen Papo, how about this? Number nine linebacker in the NFL draft. That feels high to me. That does feel a little high. I guess somebody is looking at it and saying, okay. Maybe potential. We, we know he's crazy athletic. If we plug him, and th- this is something that I thought about. You look at the Ravens this past year. They had mm-hmm. Patrick Queen playing middle linebacker, and he was solid, but could be a lot better. Well, they went and traded for Roquan Smith and, Genius, moved, by the way. and moved Patrick Queen over, and it made Patrick Queen's role a lot more simple, and you saw him use, er, a lot simpler, and he used his athletic ability. He was really good, and Roquan Smith was was unbelievable, and the Ravens' defense became nasty in the yeah. back half of the year. Yeah, it did. So, uh, again, just sort of running through uh, Mel Kuyper's newest um, NFL mock draft. Of course, a couple of Auburn guys uh, making an appearance. Some, a lot of SEC guys. We know that's A lot the case. of Alabama guys. Yeah. Three safeties in the top 15 safeties, yes. according to the, the Athletic. That's so crazy, but it's, I mean, it's just what they have become, right? But SEC continues to dominate the NFL. Uh, the NFL draft continues to dominate the league. Auburn's got Derek Hall uh, late there in that round. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Again, probably not going to be the most stacked Auburn draft you've ever seen, but there's room to build. There's some really talented guys and excited to see what they do in the pros. Well, it'll be big when Auburn starts getting actual linemen drafted again. Yeah. Auburn hasn't had a lineman drafted since since prince uh, tega yeah. and and yeah. driscoll I and they both so. went to the eagles and driscoll driscoll legitimately plays he's there's like sixth offensive lineman he started yeah. a bunch this year because they had some injuries mm-hmm. oh he gets playing time for sure i don't know where prince tega is anymore i think he was with the chiefs the last i saw yeah i he's i think he's bounced around a couple of times but um uh, again it won't be the the most insane auburn nfl draft but there's potential and again there's really good guys there there's some really good talent and hopefully in the years to come we see more and more auburn guys get into yeah, the he's, nfl he's, he's on the Chiefs. how about that is he still is he practice squad or is he legitimately on the it appears roster? to be on the active roster he's played in 13 games i didn't realize that no i didn't know either good for him Heck yeah, good for him. We'll take our first break here in hour number one. We'd love to hear from you. Anything on your mind, give us a call, 334-321-1390. We'll have question of the day as we preview Auburn and Texas A&M tonight in Neville Arena. This is the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. This is the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you uh, here in hour number two. We had a question of the day in the first hour about basketball, but Carter has a new question of the day revolving around football. We got to do sort of some some NFL draft conversation, talking about guys in the pros, Auburn guys going to the NFL in the draft this mm-hmm. year. Carter, you came up with your little creative mind came up with a a interesting question. So uh, let me hear it. I, I want to ask this question to our listeners as well because I think it's fascinating. In the Hugh Freeze era at Auburn, however long you think it's going to be, what position gets the most NFL draft picks oh, during his tenure? You told me that question during the break, and I thought you were asking during Hugh Freeze's time as a coach. No, Which no, no. One? Oh, okay. I was like, I'm wow, saying, that's going impressive. forward. What what changes? Like, and and maybe it's not the most draft picks, but where do you see drastic changes from what Auburn's been putting into the NFL to 
what happens under Hugh Freeze. Interesting. I th- for me, I 100% I go to offensive line because I think Jake Thornton is that good of a coach. Yeah. I think he is. You're going to notice it here over the next calendar year. Jake Thornton might be the most impressive coach on Auburn's staff right now. And I, I firmly believe that. The What he did in recruiting and the transfer portal and in high school in a really short period of time, I think he is a... Uh, he will be an unsung hero of this staff because you're going to continue to hear about Cadillac. You're going to continue to hear about Zach Etheridge. Um, I bet you Marcus Davis uh, starts to generate a lot of buzz. I think people are going to be very surprised with how good of a receivers coach he is. But because they're Auburn guys, they're going to get a lot of praise. But I think Jake Thornton might put the most NFL guys or put the most guys into the NFL of any position group under the Hugh Freeze era? I'll piggyback off of that. I think that's a really good answer. And to piggyback off of that, this may not see the most guys drafted, but you were talking about a significant difference of guys going to the NFL draft. To piggyback off of the offensive line, I'm going to go quarterback. I'm going to go quarterback. We've seen Auburn have two guys drafted in the last 13 years, Cam Newton and Jared I'll Stidham. agree with you. I'll agree I think you. the quarterback position, I think you, I think finally you will see, hopefully, I, I don't know this obviously, but I hope that we can see consistently Auburn quarterbacks, whether they're high school kids that come in, get developed, yep. and, and become good, or even transfer portal guys that eventually make their way to the pros. I think you could see an uptick in Auburn quarterbacks being drafted to the NFL because of reasons like you talked about with the offensive line. Cam Newton was great, had a chance to win a Super Bowl, fell a little short, had injuries, and he's now fallen out of the league. You have Jared Stidham, who is right now the starter in Las Vegas, but I don't know how long that's going to last. But Auburn is not known to have long-term successful quarterbacks in the NFL. I think that could change under Hugh Freeze. I'll say another one that I think could be a dark horse is wide receiver because I think Marcus Davis is that good of an, uh, a receiver's coach. And it's going to be night and day what we've seen out of the wide receiver position. And part of that's the, the offensive line allowing the quarterbacks to have time to get them the ball and show off their skill. But, I mean, I think you've got multiple guys with the talent to be draft guys right now in that wide receiver's room. I look at... Most notably, Camden Brown. I think he is a guy that um, will be drafted because he has the body, he has the 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 size, the strength, the athleticism. He just needs to be developed, and I think Marcus Davis is going to do a great job of that. I think you could have a dark horse draft guy in Nick Martiner at six six two fifteen. He's got he's going to have a body type that a lot of NFL teams are going to be interested in if he comes in and produces at a high level. At Auburn, you're going to see him get drafted. Maybe Jaris Johnson, maybe not because of how little he is. But there are some freshmen that were on this team last year that I think are really t- that were really talented. You saw glimpses of it. They're going to be draft kind of guys when it's all said and done at Auburn. Uh, and then another one for me, I I think Zach is going to continue to do what Zach does on the back end. I think Weston McGriff back there is going to help. But I think Josh Aldridge at linebacker. I think he brought in two guys who are draft guys. Uh, Austin Keys will be a draft guy in my mind in twenty four. Yeah, in this next draft after after the twenty three draft, I think he is in that draft. Uh, I think that he can develop Cam Riley into an NFL guy. I think Demario Tolan is an NFL guy. 
I think you're going to see spikes at offensive line, quarterback, wide receiver, and linebacker as far as Auburn developing NFL caliber players. Yeah, well, I mean, look at when Hugh Freeze was at Ole Miss and then even at Liberty. He was putting guys in the NFL. I mean, he was. Was it at like a alarming rapid rate? No. But he was putting guys in the NFL from Ole Miss and Liberty. Like, think about that for a second. I'm not. I'm not saying those. It's a bad thing, but those programs, Liberty especially, does not really consistently put guys in the NFL. So what? Hugh Freeze put in his head coaching tenure at Ole Miss and his head coaching tenure at uh, Liberty. He put two quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, Chad Kelly and Malik Willis. I don't think he put Jordan Te'amu into the NFL. I don't know. I will double-check that. Uh, and Te'amu was a really good player. Uh, Shea Patterson, kind of the same mold. Right, yeah, kind of that same same type, yeah. So Jordan Te'amu was undrafted. Shea Patterson. Shea Patterson, I think he went undrafted too, didn't he? He may have as well, but he remember he transferred up to Michigan, and that's yeah. how his yeah. – Yeah, he went undrafted in 2020. So – he had talent in that room. I think if I honestly, honestly, if I, I think if Shea Patterson hangs with um, Hugh Freeze, he probably would. If he had figured out a way, if Hugh Freeze had been his coach for his entire tenure at Ole Miss, he would have been a draft guy. Um, but Chad Kelly, Malik Willis, there's already a track record. That's more quarterbacks than Auburn's put in the NFL in fifteen or about yeah, I mean, twelve years yeah, since last, Cam since Cam went in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. Draft. That's what I was saying. The last twelve I mean, years, you've had two Cam quarterbacks and Stidham, and Hugh Freeze from what sixteen to sixteen seventeen to to now has put two. Which is why my answer to your question in the Hugh Freeze tenure at Auburn, however long that will be, what position group will we see an uptick in NFL draft picks? You said offensive line and linebacker. I'm going quarterback. I think, again, will that be the most guys we see drafted? No, because there's only one guy that plays the position. But I think you're going to see Auburn have quarterbacks drafted to the NFL. I think it has potential, okay, it has potential to be like some of these other big-time programs in college football where Ohio State consistently puts quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, those types of programs, USC now, those types of programs who – consistently have Heisman favorite quarterbacks who have consistently first round quarterback draft picks Auburn can get to that point and they need to be at that point and not just at the quarterback position at all positions and I think there's a chance where Auburn can get back to being that it's going to take a lot it is it's going to take a lot and it's going to take some help from some other things but there's a chance that Auburn has a, a really good couple of years in the NFL draft and hopefully for a long, long time to come. And, and Hugh Freeze and staff 100%. have a lot of work to do, but they've already been putting in the effort. And so that was a good question. I liked that. That was good. It did spark some some good conversation talking about Auburn trying to get back into the NFL, be highly represented in the NFL with population. So we'll see how it goes. Hugh Freeze and company trying to get some guys on campus, trying to get them developed and get them to the NFL. Coming up, we'll talk to Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, get his thoughts on everything going on around the conference here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins 
and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes in, 30 minutes left, I should say, of hour number two here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Welcoming in Trey Wallace here in just a moment who covers the SEC for OutKick. We normally have him on Tuesdays, able to have him on today on Wednesday. Trey, it's nice to hear from you. Hope you're all doing well. There's a lot going on right now uh, around the Southeastern Conference and so we will jump right into it. We'll start with some football and get into some basketball. Uh, the NFL draft coming up in April and we're starting to see some mock drafts come out and lots of sec representation so far yeah there is happy to be on with you guys hope everybody's well and um damn it a lot of a lot of quarterback conversation you know we 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 see the defensive side of the football a lot you know in the the sec and just look around at at georgia and alabama and a number of other schools that are going to get some some publicity out of that but you know the, the conversation to me is like you know, I, I see the quote about Stetson Bennett today from Mel Kiper, like he's a third round pick. Like, I don't, you know, God bless Mel Kiper. I don't know who he's talking to. And <laughs> chatting with some NFL coaches and, and assistant coaches, you know, Stetson Bennett is a probably a, a sixth round draft pick, seventh round draft pick is, is, is what folks are telling me. And, you know, and then, you know, there's conversations about Will Levis. Um, you know, is, is Will Levis a top 10 quarterback? And, you know, I, I, I hate that. I'm not trying to disparage anybody when, when I talk, you know, about, you know, their potential and their future. I just don't see it. I I don't see Will Levis as a game changer when it comes to an NFL team. I, I've watched the kid play for the last two years, and I, I don't know what – maybe I'm missing something, um, but I, I just don't know what stands out uh, besides his arm uh, when it comes to potentially – you know, leading a team like the Jets or, you know, uh, not the Giants, but but any, you know, a team looking for, for something new, the Colts, you know. Yep. I, so there, there's just a – there's a lot of fluff being put out there right now by agents, which is what they're supposed to do right now. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is talking season for agents. Agents are calling, you know, me, ESPN reps, anybody that covers the NFL, the draft, and saying, hey, man, look, our guy is uh, doing this, this, and this. And, you know, he, we think he's going to be, um, you know, a, a part of, you know, something, you know, along those lines of being a high pick. And, and I just don't see it. So there's a lot of scuttlebutt. There's a lot of different things out there right now. I, I look forward to, to seeing what the, you know, how these next couple weeks play out and it starts next week down in mobile with the uh with the senior bowl yeah trey um i mean when you talk about stetson bennett do you do you think the brock purdy i guess phenomenon that we've had here over this this little run run to the playoffs and this run to uh potentially a potentially a super bowl could that further drive up the the draft stock of a guy like stetson bennett i I, I think that, and you you broke up there at the end. You said the Senior Bowl, right? Uh, no, no. I was talking about Brock Purdy. Could it could it drive up Stetson Bennett's stock if if they oh, if yeah. they if okay. they make a run with the Forty ers and win a Super Bowl? It, would I, that further push him up draft boards? I I don't know because Brock Purdy is it. I I, I want to say a different type of quarterback, you know. But there are some things with Stetson Bennett. 
that need to be resolved, mm-hmm. um, not not on the field stuff. And I'm not. Please don't take that as in Stetson been in some bad human being or some arrest yeah. reporter out there that's about to come out. Um, but it's not just on the field stuff, guys. You know that's that's the biggest thing with me. It, it's not just how you perform on the field. It's it's how you handle yourself off the field and in closed circles. And uh, you know, there's going to be a story breaking here in a, probably about three minutes from myself in regards to Stetson Bennett and and how you know he could have helped himself when it came to the NFL Combine and the NFL Draft. And I'll go ahead and tell you guys, I mean, hell, the story's going to come out here in just a minute. Um, Stetson Bennett had an opportunity to play in the Senior Bowl next week in in Mobile. And he has been down there for the last four or five days working out with David Morris at QB Country, a highly respected group. Um, Senior Bowl representative and Stetson Bennett's reps had conversations. And Stetson Bennett's reps did not think it would be Good for Bennett to hmm. perform in the Senior Bowl next week. Wow. And to go down there and get in front of NFL teams and scouts and talk with these folks. And, you know, I, so hmm. that's a little bit of breaking news. For yeah, you, that's, that's that interesting. Bennett, I mean, that, that, I, yeah, that's interesting. How do you, right. It's like, how do you turn something down like that? You know, if you, he wasn't officially invited. And I want to make that point very clear. But there were conversations up until this morning with hmm. Bennett and his reps about playing in that game. And he has decided not to. And I think that type of, I don't know, that type of circumstance, I don't think helps him out. I think that there needs to be, he's going to have to prove himself in other ways. And whether that be to, um, you know, to, to, to scouts when they at the combine or, um, or a pro day or whatnot, maybe that works out. But he just he, he hasn't helped himself when it comes to to some sort of situations. And and I don't know if the Brock Purdy thing is a good comparison. You know, mm-hmm. it might be for some, but to me, it just feels a little bit out of sync. So Trey, I mean, with with that news coming out here in about a minute. It's just, out right now, by the way. I'm, I got I'm, you, okay. I'm doing, two, I'm doing two things at the same time. We're all good, boys. <laughs> so, Outkick.com, ladies and gentlemen. So so kind of speculating with that, do you think that that's like a comfortability thing, maybe not having to run a not the Georgia system, not with his offensive line, with his weapons that he's so familiar with that they're worried that maybe he wouldn't show out as well? If he were to play in the Senior Bowl, like what what could be the reasons behind that in, in your estimation? Uh, I'm going to speculate mm-hmm. here and say that maybe Stetson Bennett didn't want to get on the scale. Maybe Stetson Bennett didn't want his measurables out there. Um, huh. Maybe maybe that hurt him in the long run. Um, maybe his. Um, you, you've all seen how Stetson Bennett interacts with the media, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So how does that interaction go about with NFL teams, GMs, coaches, scouts, representatives, whatnot? You know, like right. how, how does he handle that situation? And I'm I'm trying to mince my words here just a little bit. Um, but I think overall, I, I think it's a, it's a move that, in my opinion, he'll regret because I remember when AJ McCarron didn't play in the Senior Bowl, and he wasted, in my opinion, a big opportunity 
um, to, to, to not be in front of NFL teams and scouts and whatnot. And you see what happened when it came to, to A.J. McCarron's draft stock, and that's something that was brought up to me. So um, just just not a good situation. I thought it could help out. You know, we're sitting here on a Wednesday. You know, I don't know. Maybe something changes in the next two days. But, you know, as of right now, and according to senior bowl reps, they couldn't come to an agreement for him to play. So just a crappy situation. And you, you would think that they would give him a little bit better um, – advice on, on what to do. Hmm. Interesting story of, of Trey Wallace breaking out, talking about Stetson Bennett not playing in the Super Bowl. I didn't know we were going in that direction, but uh, hey, you just never know. And uh, some other SEC football news, Josh Heupel, head coach at Tennessee, got a pretty nice extension over the last couple of days, something we've seen a lot of college football programs do after successful seasons. Uh, was this a deserving uh, extension in your mind for Josh Heupel? I do. I think it was. I mean, always entering the the, the nine million dollar club. <coughs> excuse me, um, is an area of college football that you. What, what's the best way to put it? You got to watch it because look what happened with Mel Tucker at Michigan, Michigan State. You give him nine million dollars, expectations go through the roof, and then it turns out okay, well, maybe his team's not that good. You know what I mean? Like so. I think with Josh Heupel, I think he's earned it. I I think that whenever you turn a squad that was dealing with NCAA infractions, was dealing with over 30 players, 18 of those were potential starters that leave your football team, you come in two seasons after you take the job, you're 11-2, and two, you're winning the Orange Bowl, you're beating Clemson, you beat Alabama, you destroyed LSU, Florida, I, I, I do think he is worth it because Tennessee is looking at this as a long-term investment, and like like they should, like any school should, just mm-hmm. like Auburn should with Hugh Freeze and anybody else. So I do. He's up there with some some interesting names. Um, you know, if you ask me, if Jim is Jimbo Fisher worth nine million dollars? Well, he's got a national championship, <laughs> but what have you done for me lately? And I think Absolutely. that's the world that we're living in. But let's not forget, guys. Um, there's a lot of influx of money about to come into to college football, especially the SEC, the Big Ten, with these television contracts. So they've got money to spend. And if they want to do it on the coaching staff, well, who am I to say they can? Yeah, Trey, I mean, you – Gene Chizik also has a championship, but I think you can <laughs> you can give that to Cam Newton more than Gene Chizik. I mean, I think Jimbo – Probably owes a lot to Jameis Winston for that that championship back in 2013. But uh, kind of looking around the the SEC, I mean, with Auburn going into 2023, they did not go get that transfer quarterback that everybody just assumed was going to happen. I still think it's going to happen uh, in May because I am proceeding with this Auburn football team like TJ Finley is not on the roster, even though technically he is right now. I expect uh, he will graduate at the end of the spring and probably head elsewhere. Um, do you view it as vital for Auburn to go pick up a quarterback in the transfer portal in May? And if Robbie Ashford is the starting quarterback in 2023, how much better can he be? And what can Auburn be with him uh, at the helm of the offense? Man, I think that they, they uh, Auburn would have loved to have some depth at that spot. I like mm-hmm. Robbie Ashford. I do. I think Robbie Ashford could be a really good quarterback. 
under Hugh Freeze. Um, Agreed. I think I think having T.J. Finley come back would be some depth that is very much needed. But I do think that you're going to see Auburn hang out right around spring practice. Okay, let's see what we got on the roster. Um, let's 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 see who's maybe interested because a lot of this stuff happens behind the scenes, guys. Because schools reaching out to players, players reaching out to schools. It happens. You can deny it. You can say, oh, that's bad for college football. But it happens. Right. Let's see what happens after spring practice. You know, and, and I could definitely see Hugh Freeze going after a quarterback. Um, if, if they don't feel comfortable with what they have right there, I promise you Hugh's going to go find somebody. Um, and that coaching staff will. And maybe that's the right move because you see a lot of these schools that are saving spots. You know, with 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 the 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 class that they have, or the amount of players they can get, they're they're saving some spots. Um, and and so for Auburn's sake, I could see them doing it because I I think they need it. I think they need it right now in general. Um, I don't care what they have on their roster. I, I thought Auburn would go out there and, and grab myself a quarterback, but but I say that to say this: if you look at the quarterbacks that were that were available, um, which ones could run? Auburn system really well. You know, Grayson McCall took his name out. A couple of others took their names out. So which one could really run Hugh Freeze's system? So that's why I think you're going to see some movement uh, during the spring uh, transfer portal period. Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for OutKick, joining us here on the show. We'll touch on basketball really quick before we let you go. You're looking at the AP poll right now. You've got three teams from the SEC inside the top 15. Auburn at 15, Tennessee 4, Alabama 2. You have Texas A&M, Kentucky on the outside looking in uh, with some impressive conference records. Obviously, Kentucky's short of trying to find themselves, but you have Auburn, Texas A&M tonight inside of Neville Arena. You have Alabama, Mississippi State, Tennessee and Georgia, uh, just your thoughts so far on what the SEC basketball schedule in the season is looking like to this point. Talk about some just some, some crazy games, some teams that maybe you thought would be better that turned out not to be the case, you know, like a Mississippi State-Alabama who played tonight. You know what I mean? You saw how Mississippi mm-hmm. State started the season. Look where they're at right now. Look at Alabama and the teams that they have beaten and the way that they're playing. Um, Auburn stands out to me. You know, a team where you're the start of SEC play, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Okay, <laughs> what's this squad going to look like? And then all of a sudden, you know what? They settle in. You know, Auburn reminds me this year, and I'm not saying they have all the talent that Kentucky has had in the past, but what I'm saying is Auburn reminds me of a team where they're going to find themselves towards the middle of January, end of January, and then start making that run towards March. Like, I think Bruce Pearl had to figure out a couple things with this squad. Um, I, I would say that, you know, if you look at, at Tennessee and the way that they're playing, yes, they might look ugly on offense sometimes, but their defense is what stands out to me. Even in the loss to Kentucky, you know, it, 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 you, keep, you keep the Wildcats at a low score. Um, and, and if, you know, the shots don't fall for, for Rick Barnes' squad, then they're going to have, you know, trouble winning a lot of games, you know, down the stretch, you know, but there, there's a difference. They have their defense to rely on. And so them sitting at four, Bama sitting at two, man, we're on a collision course for that game. And then you look at Texas A&M, who was, I mean, goodness, they were playing really well in the SEC, starting off undefeated. You know, they go to Kentucky, drop a game playing at Auburn tonight. Like, that's something 
that I'll keep an eye on. That game tonight down at, down at Auburn should be interesting to me. Buzz Williams is always going to have a team ready to go, ready to fight, ready to play. So there's just a lot of a lot of parity outside the top three or four in the SEC, and, and I love it because it gives us some, some pretty decent games. But um, I'm, I'm just kind of interested to see, you know, what, what teams like Arkansas do down the stretch after beating up on LSU last night, you know, and Kentucky – in Kentucky, you know, keep this little momentum up that they've gotten through the you know last couple of games. So I'm I'm excited for it. And then you know what, guys? Three weeks from now, we got SEC baseball. That's so right. Bring it all on, boys. That's right, man. Hey, we're looking forward to it. It's basketball season in the heart of conference schedule, and as you mentioned, baseball season is right around the corner. Trey Wallace again. He writes for Outkick, covering the SEC. Broke a story during the show. You can't get any better than that, man. We appreciate you and your time every single week, man. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you, everything you're doing for Outkick, and what's coming up. Yeah, you can follow me, and I appreciate it, guys. You can follow me at Trey Wallace underscore on Twitter. Follow all the work at outkick.com. We're just working it through, man. Basketball season, football stuff still going on, and I'm ready to hear those ding of the bats here in a couple weeks with baseball. So we got you covered, and uh, I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of the week. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. That is Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC for Outkick. Again, he joins us every week, usually on Tuesday. Got him on Wednesday, and uh, turns out he broke a story during the show, so can't get any better than that. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, make our picks for Auburn, Texas A&M when we come back. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Be sure you stay tuned. It'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. They are live from Big Mike's Steakhouse on the other side of town, so be sure you stay tuned for that. If you're out and about, stop by, say hello, um, as they will be live for the next two hours right here on ESPN 1067. Big thank you to Trey Wallace, who covers, again, the SEC for OutKick, uh, breaking a very, very interesting story about Stetson Bennett not playing in the Senior Bowl for some pretty weird reasons, according to Trey. So, uh, well, he was speculating, right? Some reasons but why? But but if if he's really worried about his measurements getting out there and how they would hurt him in the draft, I find that so stupid because he's gonna go to the NFL Combine and he's gonna have his pro. Day. I was about to say, guess what they're going, gonna do? The measurements are going to get out there. They're gonna measure you and they're gonna put you on the scale. So yeah. that's just sort of what Trey was speculating. I mean, but I he guess, did. I guess he can put up a, put on a bunch of weight in the next month. I guess. But uh, again, go to Outkick.com. Trey just his story released during our uh, interview with him. It's talking about Stetson Bennett not playing in the Senior Bowl. But uh, big thank you to him and his time. He always has great stuff to say. Also. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. We talked to him back in the first hour uh, about everything with Georgia Athletics. So it's been a great show today. If you missed any of it, lots of basketball, football talk with Jordan Hill, Trey Wallace covering and talking Auburn basketball and football. It's been a great show. Uh, If you missed any of it, be sure to go and listen to the podcast. You can find it commercial free right after the show, ESPNAU.com. That's ESPNAU.com. Or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Carter, we got about a minute or so. Auburn at home tonight, four-point favorite against Texas A&M. It's moved again, then. Has it really? It was four and a half at the start of the show. Well, let's see. Hold on. 
Hold on. If it's a four-point favorite, then that means it's moved a full yeah, point. Of I've, got it at, I've got it at four right now. How about that? So Auburn at home Ooh. against a 5-1 and one A&M team, favored by four. nervous, I would imagine. Who wins and why? <laughs> I think Auburn wins because of the fact that uh, I just think that Auburn is going to show up ready to play. Uh, back home, good environment. Uh, I think Hopefully. that they're going to rebound. I think Janai is going to have a big game. I think Wendell's going to continue the way that he's playing. I think Allen's going to play well. Jalen's going to play well. And uh, maybe we see Chris Moore back a little bit. We'll see. Auburn at home against A&M. I think Auburn wins. I also think they cover. They don't cover till late, though. I think this is a 40-minute basketball game. I really do. I think A&M's going to show up ready to play. I think A&M's going to hit some shots. I think they're going to crash the boards. And I think A&M will run with Auburn all night long. But I do think Auburn will win if they can limit their turnovers, take good shots, and make the right play and run some offense without just standing and watching with flat-footed. Auburn will win this basketball game. I think it'll be almost like a backdoor cover with some free throws late. I think Auburn covers the four-point spread. I'll take the Tigers by five over Texas A&M tonight at home. You also have Mississippi State against Alabama. I think we both agree the Crimson Tide will roll in that game versus Mississippi State. But if you're out and about looking for something to do, go to the game tonight. If you're going to be there, be loud. Be proud. Make Neville Arena the hardest place to play in college basketball tonight it needs to be that that's it for the wednesday edition of on the line we'll be back tomorrow for another show same time right here on espn 1067 stay safe i'll talk to you later